You're listening to the Electronic Media Collective Podcast Network. Yeah, it's a mouthful. For more great shows like the one you're about to enjoy, visit electronicmediacollective.com. And now, our feature presentation. <sighs> so what the fuck was this shit? This happened. Um, why, oh, why did we pick 90s horror? I'm, my heart's broken. My childhood is screaming in pain right now for the beating that I took watching this movie. Eric, how the hell are you doing? I have a poker face, Jordan. Give up some. It wasn't as... I guess it was pretty bad. I was about to say it wasn't as bad, but I feel like you guys would both laugh at me for that. We brought Sarah in to continue our 90s horror retrospective on uh, horror classics, and this is House on Haunted Hill, the remake of the Vincent Price classic. I'm excited to talk about this with you, Sarah. Well, this was a movie. That is that is all I can say. Uh, was it? Yeah. It, it was a movie, which I think was exactly what I said when it was done. That that was certainly a movie. Yeah. Of all the 90s horror movies we could have picked, you picked this one. Well, this this is this is considered a classic actually from from it being released. This actually was 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 not received well critically. But uh, fans love this one. This thing was made for nineteen million and it grossed forty. So it it doubled its money back. I think Jordan really likes the the trend of having a uh, attractive cast involved in a movie. Uh, but again, whether it be like a James Marsden or a Josh Hartnett, right now we have or maybe I don't know. Are you are you a Peter Gallagher fan in this? Uh, no, uh, it was Alte Diggs. It was Alte Diggs. I saw his name come up on the credits and was like, "All right, we're gonna we're gonna see some good stuff in this movie." Well, poor Chris Kattan, <laughs> Corky Romano, I love it. No, so like, so like this movie played heavily on TNT, like in the early two thousands when I was like twelve, thirteen years old, and this movie scared me. This movie terrified me, and I'll tell you the scene where I turned it off when I was a younger lad it's when um gregory rush jeffrey rush or everyone call him uh, captain jeffrey uh, captain barbosa uh <laughs> when he was in the thingy that was spinning and then you know the doctor came alive out of it and he had those goggles on and stuff I'm like nope i'm done with this one don't want to watch this like it terrified me there are scenes in this movie that were absolutely terrifying for a 12 year old so i haven't seen it probably since high school so I was really looking forward to coming back to this again, and I was just utterly disappointed in it in every step of the way. Just, oh, my God. Yeah, you did yourself a disservice if you had high expectations for this. But this was kind of, <clears throat> excuse me, in the trend of 90s horrors where, where it was cashing in. And anyone who was throwing in something could probably get something made. And this was made by William Malone, who it looked like didn't have too much uh, in movies before this. It looks like he did a few in the 80s, but then mostly he was a TV guy. Well, fuck William Malone. We got to talk about Dark Castle. This is the production company's first movie Founded by Joe Silver and Robert Zemeckis. Yes, the same mm -hmm. Robert Zemeckis who did Who Framed Roger Rabbit and Back to the Future Trilogy. I, How do you do this? It made money. 
I guess. I, I guess. I wonder. Hold on. I'm going to see if um, this guy, who also directed Fear.com, if you remember that 2002 classic. Yes, to, I do. I remember that. I one. do remember that, too. To see if maybe it was at the same studio, because that would be mm-hmm. unfortunate. It, no, uh, 13 Ghosts was a part of it, too. But that also destroyed Stephen Dorff's career. Why he's looking it up? Sarah, have, you've never seen this before, right? I have not seen this one. So... What I'm going to start doing, which I haven't done before, and I'm kind of upset with myself because I I feel like I've done a disservice to the fans. So for now on, every time that you're on for our 90s retrospective this year, I'm going to ask you this question, okay? Okay. Before we get into everything. Before you pressed play, what did you think this movie was about? Ooh, fun question. Uh, I thought it was going to be a lot more like The Haunting. Um less yeah I, I i had no idea which was great um but yeah i thought it was gonna be more like the haunting you know some sort of haunted house ghost story sort of thing um just you know simple uh a house on haunted hill seems like a pretty straightforward um concept right there and it was it was a little more convoluted than that a little uh, <laughs> a lot more i mean we get they call it a house. Let's talk about that real quick, everybody. Please. So we get the terrible opening credits with the stop motion. And I knew right off the bat, oh, this is not going to be good. It was just not in, It was not engaging. And we get an outside view of the house. And they keep on saying throughout the whole movie, this is a house. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you guys this is not a house. Oh, uh, Sarah looked it up. Oh, yeah, uh, it's it was filmed um, mostly. Oh, where did it go? Um, at the Griffin at Observatory? Griffith Park Observatory oh, yeah. in L.A. So that's an observatory. That's not a house, right? And it was it was a lot of the exterior views are of the observatory, and it's um it's like the really famous observatory in L.A. So like I think Charlie's Angels two was filmed there partially when they're fighting Demi Moore. Um, so it's, it's a pretty uh, obvious landmark, um, but it does not do the like cliffside view um, like it does in the movie. That's all that's all fake. Uh, but yeah, I was expecting more house and less uh, giant art deco building. Like there's nothing house like about this. No, not a house. It's because but see, they actually try to play it off that is a house. Let, let's jump forward for a minute before we get into the beginning where everybody finally gets to the house. They're like, oh, it's a house. And here's the main foyer or foyer, whatever, mm-hmm. like main living room. And then the wife goes up into the bedroom. So it's like, is it just one big floor? And then they're like, oh, the basement is where the asylum is. Like, it just doesn't make sense because they said the basement. Don't go to the basement. Mm-hmm. I was wondering that, too. Towards the end of the movie, I think I looked at Eric and said, like, wow, they really spent their budget on this basement set because we are not seeing any other part of this house when you can see it's huge. Uh, but it, um, I think some point, uh, was it Pritchard? Pritch, Pritchett? Whatever the... Um, Pritchard. Yeah. That character says something about how they had renovated uh, when he was a kid. Um, so it sounds like they turned some of it into more livable conditions versus insane asylum. Uh, I mean, maybe because it was haunted as soon as they got there, though, Sarah. It was. 
Yeah. It, it seemed like we would get more floors, but obviously the budget would only allow for so many. Mm-hmm. We can assume that maybe they were doing steps. I, I don't know. It seemed like more of the same, but yes, for a building that looks like it was a part of Gondor, it looks like it should have at least 60, 50 floors in, in there. It was going down. Um, mm-hmm. Again, for, for scale, because we get to see what the people look like on the outside of the building. But either way, let's talk about the premise of this movie. Again, it, I don't think this was um, so much... Well, the, the ante was up from the original, the Vincent Price version, where we got a lot of tips of the hats, uh, by the way, to pay respects to this, the remake as well, too, such as the characters being named Price. Uh, but uh, the gag is that Jeffrey Rush is this millionaire, eccentric kind of millionaire guy who likes to scare people. He is married to Famke Jansen. Jazz? Am I saying it right? Famke Jansen. I have no idea. Yep. Yes. Well, she apparently they, they hate we'll each other. We'll just call her Anatop. I'm sorry to interrupt. We'll just call her Anatop because she was a Bond girl who killed men with her thighs during sex in Goldeneye. <laughs> That's so right. we can call her Anatop if you want. Famke, whatever. And they hate each other. Uh, and she saw, I guess, a potentially kind of a, a show about this scary asylum place. She wanted to have a birthday party there. The invites go out to only what, four people? Five. No, four people, and Chris Kattan was the building owner. He, he never got one. They it had was... five checks for a million dollars. Was it a clean... Okay, hold on. I thought it was five. Who... Anyway. Tay Diggs, Allie Larder, Brigitte Wilson, Brigitte Peter Wilson. Gallagher. And Chris Kattan. Okay, so five. Oh, wait, Brigitte so is the one that married it. Sylvester Stallone. Yeah. Uh, Bridget Wilson. Mm-mm. Mm-hmm. That was Bridget Nielsen that married. Brigitte Nielsen, Bridget Wilson. Yes. Okay, let's go on. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to get it right one of these days, and I'm going to make sure it's going to be on the show it's when I okay. do. Because I got a lot to talk about, so let's go ahead. Do your thing. Yeah, I, I think the, the five was just tossed in, but. Either way, I guess picking part of that is not going to be make or break this movie here. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it seems like very limited. Nobody invited these people. Apparently, the house invited them via internet hacking. How do you? Okay, okay <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute. So, are you just going through the plot and then we're going to pick it apart? Or are we picking it apart? The now? plot is these people show up in limousines led by a hearse for some reason. And to this house uh, where Chris Kattan's standing out front with his gremlin of a car. And they go inside. The millionaire uh, says, I have a challenge for all of you. If you stay here and spend the night, um, then whoever survives in the morning will get $1 million. Uh, but you have to survive. That's the trick. Don't die. And hey, everyone also gets a gun. And he tries to add things and make things uh, fun. But the house is apparently alive. We know this. Because Chris Catan's uh, character says it immediately. And at least that's what we're led to believe as what the gag is. Yes? Yes. Sure. Yeah. Yep. And as the night progresses, we find that creepier and creepier things happen. That the gags set in by the uh, Jeffrey Rush character don't go to plan. Some extra stuff happens. And apparently the house is alive and haunted. And it's taking over in it uh invited the five people and particularly because they were related to people who died in the mansion or in the hospital before no that's not why 
that yeah, it was. It was. Nope. These these are people that were related to the doctors that survived the fire. Oh, excuse me. Yes. Yeah, doctors and nurses, whoever that survived. Yeah, it wasn't. Yes. 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 You're you're right, Drew. Um, that that great detail there, except for Peter Gallagher's character, who uh, apparently it is known and was planned to the invite, I guess, by Famke's character. Because he got an invite. So does that mean only three, four of the people? No. No, he was invited by the house, too. They just didn't flush out his character because they had, the whole, but the his whole list plan. was I know. We'll, we will talk about it to get through your plot thing. Okay, so, yeah, yes. Uh, we're, we know this is a gag, by the way, too, because we get to see uh, that Jeffrey Rush is... I, I should just find out his name. Hold on, let me switch the tab here. That... Um, Stephen Price had a room set up uh, with Sketcher, is that his name? Mm-hmm. Uh, something like that to uh, cue and monitor everyone to spook them. And, um, yeah. Things are off to the races when the hotel, or, geez, hotel, the hospital goes into lockdown. And it does, like, some sort of crazy apocalyptic-type metal... Uh, Big weights is going down throughout the windows, doors, and everything else, locking them in, and they're they're in, they're done, right? Right. Uh, yeah. So they're locked in, and then a whole bunch of crazy shit happens, and then we find out later that Stephen Price knew how to get this these things open the entire time. They all knew it was in the attic. Like, I'm I'm complaining already, and we need to talk about the movie. <laughs> okay, fine. So let's talk about. It. Let's go right off the bat. Okay, so. So we get the opening in 1931 with a terrible name, Dr. Vanicut. <sighs> and he has this institute for the criminally insane, right? Mm-hmm. And he is it's, – it's in this house. It's in the basement of the house. He has a full staff. He's a full-on mental hospital. This guy's legal on paper, right? But then he's taking scalpels and cutting people open. Because he's just a mad doctor. We don't know why. They don't get an explanation. We're just going to go with it. But this is what pissed me off in the beginning. We're off the bat. So first of all, not to contradict myself, but a cool shot is we start seeing through glass doors all the patients have escaped, and they're like banging on the doors. That was cool. That was very, very cool. I was like, oh, geez, what's going on, right? And then, boom, patients escape, and the patients break into uh, – the, the surgery room, and for some reason, women's breasts need to be exposed. That's what All the breasts. Off. Yep. Why? What was the point of exposing the women's breasts? Not a single one of these patients had sexual desire in their heart. They were there to kill. Because, I don't know, Allie Larder and Brigitte Wilson wouldn't show their boobs. Uh, I did. That was one of my comments when we first started. I was like, oh, are we going to see some Famke Jansen boobs? And we did not, but we saw a, a lot of other a lot of other boobs that I, I really didn't care to see. Some, some nurse right. boob. Yeah. No reason, no reason to have nurse boob because one of the scenes I'm talking about is that, is that one of the crazy guys grabs the nurse, rips open her dress, her breasts are exposed, and then they dunk her into a random bathtub in the surgery room for some reason, and they drown her. Like, what was the point? I'm like, if you're going to, and this sounds really horrible, but if you're going to go that route and expose breast with men ripping off the women's clothing, 
then you have to have a reason for it, and we all know what that reason is. And just to have it be, oh, there's the tit shot, it doesn't make sense. Like, at least you have a tit shot in a Friday 13th movie because she's having sex. That's why you do it. This was poor taste, in my opinion. It was just, it was just, it took me out of the movie because I'm just like, there's just no point. Maybe you one know, of the, it, the emotionally disturbed people in the hospital had a sexual urge. Maybe, but they didn't show us that because this movie doesn't go that deep. But what does go deep is the fire because somehow there was an electrical fire or the inmates started a fire and then everything's in flames, boom, fire, doctors killed, everybody dies as far as we know. Then we jump forward to modern time, which in this case is 1999, and we get into uh, you know, Stephen Price who was this uh, mogul, as you as you're talking about, Eric, uh, guy who – has a bunch of theme parks and he likes to scare people. Why is Lisa Loeb a news reporter? So she just starts singing stay instead of a news report. I mean, like, but that part was fun though, right guys? This I mean, was like, part of the launch. Uh, you know, the try to be, uh, diverse in your, in your media career, try to, but she's done other acting, um, things as well too. It's not, this is not her, I think it's even her first. No, it's not. It was just, it was just funny to see her in this. But I don't get – let's also break something down real quick, both of you. So Lisa Loeb's there. She's a reporter. Hey, Mr. Price, what is so cool about your new roller coaster? And he's like, oh, yeah. So they get into the elevator to go up to the roller coaster, and the roller coaster simulates that it's falling through TV screens in the floor and ceiling. But it doesn't actually fall. They're already on the top level. Does that actually happen to the park guest? I think so. I think that's part of the ride. So the ride is you wait in line, you go into an elevator to go up top to get on the ride, but then every single person that gets into this elevator is going to experience that it's falling? Oh, maybe it does it randomly. Maybe yeah. it's, a, it's a trigger okay. thing because All right. All right. this guy seems to, to know when the good time to, to launch a scare is. Right. Okay, okay. So then they ride the roller coaster, and they're – is another roller coaster not too far in front of them. And I'm like, well, that doesn't make any sense. That usually doesn't happen. And then the roller coaster flies off the fucking track, a la Final Destination 3, and everybody's freaking out. Oh, oh, oh it was it was dummies. Like, all right, this is this is where the movie's going. All while we get, you know, on a top here, Price's wife, and she's like, hey, I'm in a bath with millions of dollars, and I'm going to have my birthday party here. Here's a list. Now here comes the bullshit part, guys. Vincent Price get not Vincent Price. I'm sorry. Stephen Price gets the list, and he deletes it. And then as soon as he deletes it, we get the Marilyn Manson "Sweet Dreams" song, and it somehow gets retyped. And that's when when Eric was going over the plot summary, where I call bullshit because uh, that doctor guy that's in love with Price's uh, wife. He was put on that list. She didn't put him on that list. Yeah, also he, he had five checks. He also had five checks, but see, let's break this down for a second here, guys, because she even says, Mrs. Price even says when she gets there to, to uh, Stephen Price, who are these people? I don't know any of them. So she doesn't know the doctor. But she does know the doctor because he's in on the whole thing that she's going to kill her husband, but the husband's going to kill her. Uh, the, both of them go in 
expecting to kill their spouse and the doctor peter gallagher is there to help her she knows him she's just pretending not to no i don't actually believe that at all they're having an affair yeah he's the only one that wasn't part of the original people from 1931 when they found that picture they're like oh no blackburn's not on here Ooh, that means Blackburn's, you know, got other nef- other nefarious interests in this thing. But the house made the list, and the house's plot was to kill the relatives of the people that mm-hmm. killed everybody in 31. So to have the doctor there makes no motivation sense for the house. Correct. And Mr. Price and Mrs. Price were not there to kill each other at all. I don't think that happened. I mean, Mr. Price was not there to kill her, and neither was Mrs. Price. I just think opportunity. They talked about how they were. Oh, they oh, I like the relationship more than I like the movie because there's a scene later on when he seemed heartbroken, which we'll talk about. So you know, they get to the house, and we meet you know Corky Romano himself, all strung out, just pissed off, and he doesn't want to be there. And we find out that his dad, his granddad. Built the house, died of a heart attack years later. His dad remodeled the house. The house supposedly killed him, and now he somehow, third generation, owns this fucking thing, right? Right. Yeah. Which, no sense. And we got all these strangers. Let's go by. We got a doctor. We got Allie Larder, who she lies about who she is. Do we find out later? She says something to Tate Diggs, but I think I checked out at that point in time. She was the assistant of the person who actually got invited. She was the assistant. Okay. Yeah. And then we have Corky Romano, and then we have Tay Diggs, but we find out later in the movie that there was no reason for him to be there because he was adopted. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. So the house's motivation makes no nothing sense. Nothing to do with this. I was adopted. <sighs> <laughs> we get that. Okay. Now we're gonna we're gonna scramble some things here and there. We're just gonna go all over the place. Another thing that's bullshit. We find out that Mr. Price is like, hey, we don't know all you people, but if you survive the night, you get $1 million. And they're like, okay, they're cool with it. Fucking house closes down, like Eric said, fucking like doomsday style. Nobody can figure out how to get out. And for some reason, regardless if they're blanks, Price brings in guns? But then they're not blanks. They're actually real guns? What, would the, what, was, what was the actual point of him bringing in blank guns to begin with? I, yeah, What's this the actual is, motivation? I, I I think that whoever gets shot with the blank is considered dead. Um, that's what I'm hoping for in in this. Of what it, maybe what his plan is, because the whole deal, the term of the night would would be to stay the night alive, uh, and get a million dollars. If you die, then you don't get that money. So. I, I don't know how he's going to be able to pull that off. You know, either either he's going to lose $5 million or there are, you know, quote, air quoted deaths that need to happen throughout the night. And what I would think that maybe getting death? shot by a blank would, would kind of be one of those. So if you end up being a person who gets shot by a blank, then maybe, you know, tag, you're it. Or is it that one of those guns actually had a real bullet in it and that person could have killed his wife without knowing it? Exactly. It was an accident. Oh, you're going to say that, Sarah? Okay. No, that's what he said, that he wanted, or no, she said that about him. That she was hoping that somebody else would shoot Stephen Price so that it would look like an accident and she would be done with him. I think one of the guns had real bullets. The 
blanks were there uh, because he said if you survive the night, so if somebody is greedy enough, they could start shooting all the other contestants and walk away with five million, and that's why there were guns. He was like hardcore uh, pushing this on people. Great. I wish the movie would have actually had the smarts to say that because that would have been interesting. Yeah. yeah. It would have been interesting. It would have been something. Also, we, we skipped about this too. We find out uh, early in the beginning of the film that, that Price has a guy up there. Uh, what, what what was his name? Schechter. Schechter, which is absolutely a stupid name. And he's the guy that has cameras everywhere and they're monitoring everything, right? Issue number one, the house is haunted, right? They go downstairs to the basement, right? This guy had to set the cameras by himself. There was no crew. So you're going to tell me that the ghost is like, oh, yeah, you can put cameras down here in the basement. We're cool. Bullshit. Number two, when they walk in the beginning of the film, it wasn't it wasn't his thing, but the but the very pretty glass ceiling thing falls and almost kills the wife. Did they even talk about that? Uh, no, maybe no. maybe the the camera system was or was pre existing. It was there and it got fixed during the renovation, and they were just using it. I I highly doubt that. I'm giving this it movie, too much credit you're there, get, you're but yeah. it way too much. Like what happened was Vince, uh, Price went to this guy and was like, "Hey, go to the house, set up cameras everywhere." Okay. Now, is the house even really haunted until the ending? Now. The answer is yes because of what happened to Bridget, which we'll talk about. But I think that is a terrible mistake of the movie, guys. So what happens is you know, everybody finds out what's going on, and we go downstairs to the basement. They were told don't go to the basement, but they go to the basement. Also, uh, Chris Kattan's like, please don't go to the basement. But then when they start going, he's right behind them. Not a problem at all. I would want to be left alone. I would up there. Yeah, it, there was no ghost activity up in that main lobby at all. Well, not until later on in the movie. Well, not to the very, very climax. But what if they never did? What happened when when that happens? I I agree. Like it was just sit by the fire and have, you had drinks. Yeah, you it was. Get drunk. There were drinks and and uh, what's food and stuff up there too. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I agree that and uh, and upstairs it would be where the beds are. Like they didn't even as guests. Go upstairs to check out the beds at all, I guess. It was if, just one bed for the missus. So they had to spend the night or stay the night. All right, well, they were supposed to like just, just stand around, I guess? Or? Yeah, just sit around, talk, get to know you, how's your father kind of thing. For, for 12 hours, yep. Yeah, makes no sense. They start going downstairs to the basement. I will give the movie credit. I do like the set of the basement. It's creepy. It's good. Uh, very... What's behind the corner? It was cool. I will give it that. But this is where it pissed me off again, guys. There was a major fire, and they said they renovated it, but they never renovated the basement. And there's people's names still on the door. This place does not look like it was hit by a fire. No. No, not at all. Uh, it, it looks like it, like it was just a basement that maybe has uh, some leaky pipes. Hmm. It looks like a basement that's been abandoned since 31. There's no fire. Yeah, it did not seem like there was a whole lot of fire. Uh, but maybe that was the excuse that they're saying, and the fire was actually all the patients going in and killing the staff and each other. Maybe. But then didn't, we get... Didn't we see it on fire at the yes, beginning? Yes, we did. 
Oh yeah. yes, we did. We seen it. We seen well, the whole well, people thing did fire. also survive this fire, right? Like, how did that happen? I don't know, but it was it was it was a cool setting, a very fun local haunted house for Halloween time setting. But like, there was no fire, so they start going to all these rooms and everything. Start to figure out, get the clues going. Then we get Tay Diggs. Either he was a possessed, or B it was a spirit that was emulating him. To fall into a pool of blood for Allie Lauder to come in to rescue him, but then she realizes Tay Diggs is outside of the pool of blood. That was not creepy. That was supposed to be creepy, but that was not creepy. What well, I mean the the uh, the swisheroo the you know uh, the part where he jumps in, she freaks out. Which I don't know why she's so invested in in saving him. Again, I, I I had talked about like that's that's a, a new million dollars for you. It's one less to divvy up. So right. Um, well, well, Eric, she is the virgin of the movie, right? She's the one that survives, including yeah, Tay she Dick, ends up shooting I mean, somebody later too. So wait, they all do at the end. You know, uh, but as she's reaching in, then we get uh, this the creepy part of him just going, "What are you doing?" You know, and it, it turns out that it wasn't him all along. It was. I'm guessing it was like a mirror image. It was like the spirit taking the form of and just kind of luring her into this this thing. She cleaned up pretty well after the the scare. Right. Mm-hmm. I, it, this is the part where it gets frustrating. So let's just let's just let's just go for it, okay? Let's just we got to talk about the ending just because of all the bullshit that comes before the ending. <laughs> well, to don't set jump it up. right to the ending. I mean, right, there, right, there are some good I scares. I, I, because after she goes upstairs, Ellie Lauder's character, and uh, and cleans off, and uh, is just, you know, well, trying to be convinced that, uh, you know, that, oh, hey, there's something's going on down there, and Chris Kattan, obviously, uh, really pushing that the house is alive. You guys don't understand. This house is alive. We're all going to die down here. And as they're having this conflict in this dialogue upstairs, they ask, where is, uh, where's the, the celebrity? Where's the, the game show host, right? And that's Melissa. where Melissa's, Melissa Marr is going down and she is glued to this video camera. Like, that's going to be something where, I, which seems kind of odd that uh, Stephen Price would allow that to happen. You know, just like, hey, maybe don't videotape this. Uh, it'd be great. Se- it seems kind of weird that Stephen Price does a lot of things, buddy. Yes, that that's correct. Uh, and she goes down, and we get a nice scare. The one that scared me as a kid, where she's going through the halls. She's got some some balls, by the way, to some brass to go through these halls by herself and just be amazed by everything. She probably still thinks this is all like a like a a ride, right? Right, has mm-hmm. to, right? It's all fake. She's a celebrity. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, I'm in the biz, and, and so she's going through. And really uh, admiring the set, uh, I guess. And we get to a point where she goes into this operating room. And she looks at it uh, without the camera. There's nothing there. And as we walk up closer. But with the camera, when she pulls it up, we see it's a uh, it's a full operating room with people there. And, and a surgery is, is being shown on the camera. And she's confused because, well, wait a minute. There's no surgery in front of me but the camera. So she puts it down and confirms that there's nothing in front of her then she cuts the camera back up and the ghost turned back and look right at her in the camera mm-hmm. Ooh, it was it was cool sarah what you think about that because that was like the first big scare it was good um 
I mean, it's, I think we've seen it in movies since then. And so it was, it was kind of anticipated. Um, but yeah, when they all turned to look at her, it was like, oh, and then she puts it, puts the camera down. I expected something to be right behind her and, you know, rip her head off her or something. Which it did, right? There was a thing in a corner that shook its head violently and ran after. What was mm. the point of that ghost? I thought these ghosts were patients. That's what? a good question. I don't know. They don't explain what the haunting is. Uh, Other than I, the house is alive and it's haunted. Yeah, I, I don't really understand. Um, I also think that the the dark spirit that they talk about at the end is that like just like a merge of all of the, right. the patients that mm -hmm. died at the end as well too. Like is that them, them and Vandercut? So that doesn't make any sense. You would think that since the patients were wrongfully. Uh, operated on since they were wrongfully there right this is not a place you wanted to go to right and they started an uprising you would think that they would be your caspers right your friendly ghost hey stay away from here we don't want you around because you know we bricked up this room where the darkness is that's vandercut yeah you know what i mean stay mm -hmm. away you know that's your that's your that's your that's your Dr. Kane guy. That's your Big Daddy Kane from the haunting. Don't want to fuck with that guy. But no, we have blood pools and we have a, a ghost with no face and a mouth killing Bridget because hey, we got to have tits and a scare in this and a kill. Got to. And it just doesn't make any sense. That's where the movie falters. I think it it just tries from this point on to to try to give scares like it's just trying to do some creep out value af after this you know and i think it's really it, like the ball is really rolling and they can't quite stop it right 100%. especially in, a, in an hour and a half because when by the time all this happens it it's already like 45 50 minutes into the movie right so now we're on a roller coaster ride to where Bridget is dead, and I believe also the camera dude has his face completely ripped off at this point. I believe. Yeah, yeah, that was that gross. was cool. That was something. That was, actually, you know, speaking of gross, we didn't talk about this in the beginning because I was focused on the breast for no reason. Cool, cool gag, cool kill, where the receptionist guy gets pencils through the neck. In the beginning. Called that one real quick. That was fun. Yep, that was that was, uh, that that was, was a good kill. Good, good kill. Um, we don't get too many others. Uh, in this, it just seemed kind of like because we didn't get to see, um, Melissa Mar character die. Uh, we kind of got to see her get dragged on camera, but we didn't get to really see. Uh, her die. We didn't get to see uh, the guy's face get ripped off die. We just get to see a reveal, a turn and reveal. Mm -hmm. uh, Blackburn's death, Peter Gallagher, uh, is lame, let's be honest. Mm -hmm. um, I guess if you want to call Evelyn, uh, Famke, uh, her character, the, the electroshock therapy death, if you want to count that, that might be something. But that was just a light show and some acting. Okay, yes, yeah, so let's talk about that, okay? So then... They try to find the wife. They can't find her. They go back. Do you know, I counted this. I don't know if you guys did. They were told by Chris Kattan to not go to the basement. It's haunted. They go back and forth six fucking times. 
Hey, hey, Eric, Sarah, thank you so much for coming to visit me at my house. You know that barn out back? Don't go back there. That place is haunted. Okay, let's go six times. It's stupid. But anyway, so they try to find the wife, and they find the wife being hooked up to, you know, the electric shock therapy. She's she's shaking violently. They actually turn it off. They take the, the gag out of her mouth, and she bleeds blood. All right, number one. Number one. This is bullshit because they were trying to find this actual switch. So my question was, when they found the main switch, they turned it off and her body went limp. So was this actually planned for her to be electroshocked? Was it planned for her heart to stop? Because when the doctor comes back, he starts feeling a boob. He's kissing her. My wife goes, ew, what a creep, right? And then mm-hmm. he sticks her leg with a needle, and she instantly wakes up. Yeah, because he so, gave her something to stop her heart. Maybe those were just like seizures, and flipping up Did the switch he? was just kind of uh, properly timed or something. Maybe, but again, I, mean, I feel like I did, I did again, didn't I? I give this he movie a leash. Not, he did not give her something to stop her he heart. Did. He gave her he something to wake up. Oh, he did? Yeah, he said something like, or she says, oh, I'm so glad that the whatever worked. And he said, well, you know, it, it fooled everyone that it looked like your heart stopped. So he gave her something at some point that slowed her heart down. She was convulsing. I don't know if it was on her own or however. And then when she looked like she was dead, he went back down there to grope her, inject her with whatever. So she would wake back up. So that was not a blood pack that she planned to put in her mouth and bite down. Are we saying that this movie is telling us that she actually got electroshocked? She would have been dead. There's no way she would have recovered from that. Right. It it doesn't make sense. No. I mean, I know she she got uh, Julietted. You know. Exactly. All right, fuck it. I guess we'll we'll just chalk it up as 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 just a fuck it because it doesn't make any sense. One of many that we can put in this movie. Yes. But one thing that I did actually really like was I liked Mr. and Mrs. Price. I found their back and forth to be really, really funny. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this is why I don't think that either of them were originally there to kill each other. Because when she, quote unquote, dies from the electrical shock therapy, he's weeping over her corpse. He kisses her on the forehead and then he goes fucking insane and blames people and tries to kill them. I think he loved her because he also said either before that scene or after that scene, he said that she was this country girl, meaning that she was just like your average American girl that was picked up by the billionaire and was turned into a bitch, maybe. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, uh, it, it just, he was weeping over her body. So I, therefore, I was... he did not want her to die. They their glares that they were giving to each other. I was confused if everything that they were saying was done kind of like in a flirt, you know, like right. like they know what gets each other off is kind of like the thrill of of getting scared and stuff. But no, it turns out that she actually is crazy and wanted to kill him. She wanted the money. Allegedly, I I, I I'm still not convinced that she wanted to initially do that because this is where the movie again falters he goes crazy they throw him in that room 
and with the 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 spinning room, and that's when we find out the reveal of the doctor that he's actually working with the wife, and the spinning room is going, and it says to put these goggles on. I did not understand that at all. Well, I know exactly what it did because when I went to bed later that night when I watched the movie, I went back and watched the Nine Inch Nails closer music video. <laughs> oh. And okay. the reason why I watched that music video is because there is throughout the whole video there are scenes of Trent Reznor having his hands up swinging like Price with these goggles on singing I want to fuck you like an animal. I don't think those two are related. It's, it's the same exact shot. It is related. That's how un unoriginal these these people are. I'm seriously go back you guys when you get a chance and people that are listening to the show Go back and watch the Nine Inch Nails music video. It's the same angle, the same cut, the same shot as that music video of of Price hanging with his glasses on, the spinning around him, the lights flashing, his mouth open screaming. That's the exact shot. Well, maybe maybe trivia will will shed some light on this. No, there's no trivia about this was just a director saying, Hey, Trent Reznor's an artist, how can I steal from him? It pissed me off because it was blatant. But anyway, we'll go on. Because also they said that the spinning room was designed to make insane men sane. But it will turn a sane man insane. So the thing is spinning, and we get Vandercut coming out, bouncing a, a volleyball, a basketball, and just laughing. And I don't know why. That's good. Enough to drive you insane. I guess. And then we find the big reveal that the doctor stuck mrs price with this needle she wakes up and oh god this was all a plan oh uh, and then how does he get it how does the doctor die his head gets ripped off by what the she does it she the no, 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 no no the, she the 1931 doctor no i think she does it because doesn't she she stabs, oh, she stabs him stabs with the she stabs him multiple times mm -hmm. with a scalpel right yes. right and then they go into the room later, and they see blood everywhere. I think she dis like she dismembered him. She she cut off his limbs and everything. We don't see his body ever. We just see the head, right? Oh no, no, no. the body falls out of mm -hmm. the, okay, so the she, machine of the of your Trent Reznor machine. So she so she she cuts off the head for no reason. So she's absolutely utterly insane. And then what also is insane is we got people with guns. They're not blanks. And they shoot Price, and Price has a bulletproof vest. <laughs> oh, my God. So he is anticipating somebody shooting him. Yes. So that means that he probably knew that something was going on. I don't know. That's just really stupid. Yeah. <laughs> again, I, I don't understand what kind of game he had planned out, but it seemed like it was going horribly wrong. And Again, like, why wouldn't you call it from the start when – Someone went missing when Melissa went missing um, from the start. You know, I mean, the entire time he's thinking that his wife is, is like countering his very plan. But, you know, at what point, because you you seem to wear like a badge that nobody has ever gotten harmed at your park. So or all six of them, as they said in the, uh, the beginning. So wouldn't this be bad PR? Like, wouldn't this wouldn't this ruin you? Uh, if somebody were to die or you know show up like that, so I, I would think that when that would show up, that 
would have been more believable if he started to shut it down. You know, if he, if he brought his his lackey character out and be like, hold on, no, 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 come on out and introduce him. Be like, no, 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 you have to understand. I had a plan for this. This was not part of the plan. The house is going rogue, everybody. Like, that would have been uh, better rather than have him just be playing along with it as if this was some sort of chess game between him and his wife. You know what, though? I think that's where I would have done this movie different. We talk about like that in these 90s retrospectives, how we would do things different in this retrospective. And one of the things that I would have done completely different was not make the house haunted at all, mm -hmm. right? Just, just fuck with the audience, right? Just yes. make the audience think that it's haunted. So then when Price awakens from his gunshot vest, right, wounds, and then he fights with his wife and he throws her through the brick wall and releases the darkness, then that's when it's fucking haunted because you have unleashed the darkness. That's what it should have been. I like that, actually. It's because so much more interesting. I, I, I would say that most anything could be better than what we got. <laughs> and here's the thing. I came up with that right now out of my ass. I mean, like, <laughs> if, if I was sitting in a big, huge conference table, like, we're going to make this movie. Oh, wait a minute. How about this? We think the house is haunted. But, you know, like, it just it would make a, such a better uh, movie-going experience to fuck with your psyche. But, no, we don't get that. Uh, Price and his wife start struggling, start fighting. Oh, my God. He throws her through a fucking brick wall. And then the horrible CGI of the darkness shows up. Now, this is where we call bullshit again, fans, is because we were told that the patients of this insane asylum had enough uprose, uprising, uprose, whatever, and started a fire and killed all the people in charge, the doctors, the nurses, everybody. Again, why are they not Casper-like ghosts? Why aren't they friendly? But no, they're all, every single person that dies in this house is all combined in this black smoke, tar goo darkness. And there's one thing that you guys, I don't know if you guys noticed, we never seen Vanda Cut's face again in that darkness. Yeah, never. I, I, again, that, that darkness thing wasn't really... It, but yeah. But here's another thing that I put it because because I thought about this and once you got and once you guys I wanted to ask you guys this question. When Bridget goes downstairs, she sees a surgery room and she sees the surgery happen and she gets killed, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. When Mrs. Price goes through the brick wall, it's not a surgery room. It's not Vandercut's office. It's literally just a small little cave. Like there was this dirt floors, like cave-like walls, right? Mm -hmm. So would it be more interesting if the darkness was there the entire time and it possessed Vandicut? Because this room never existed before. Why board it up? Yeah. And I, I, uh, Right? Yeah. No, I, then, I, I I agree with you. If the house wanted it that bad, then it should have. Uh, yeah. Also, and like, then, uh, yeah. did. Because uh, uh, it looked just like the stained glass window too, right? Mm-hmm. As the inspiration for the stained glass window. So, what, do you think that Stephen Price was a dick and broke that window without no. Chris Kattan knowing, or do you think that was uh, 
No, that was that was the ghost. And there's another thing that's bullshit. The darkness couldn't get out until they break through that break through that barrier, the brick wall, right? So if the darkness is all the souls that have died there, then what's been going on for the last hour of the movie? How are these ghosts around if they're all a part of the darkness and it can't escape? Yeah, it's like again a movie where the, if the ghosts really wanted it, then they could have had it a long time ago. But you know, play with your food before you eat it, I guess. It doesn't make any sense. Sarah, we see the darkness. You have never seen this movie before. What do you think of the reveal of the darkness? Was this something that you needed to see or were you checked out? I was checked out. It was okay. it was dumb. Uh, the only, I mean, it, it had the nice, you know, correlation to the insane asylum or psychiatric hospital with the, um, the Rorschach inkblot test. Mm-hmm. Um, so it had the, the symmetry of that. That was interesting, I guess. Um, I was reading something about how they made that, and it had something to do with, like, they took pictures of naked women, uh, just, like, writhing, and then mirrored it and adjusted for the, I don't know, for the CGI, and that's that's how they made that thing. That sounds stupid. Yeah, oh yeah. It's like, okay, I get it, so the darkness is a very bad James Bond opening credit scene. Got it. Yes. All right, so then the darkness goes under the ground, and boom, we get squib explosions chasing uh, Ty Diggs and, and Allie Larden. They go upstairs to the attic, and Vincent Price, he he doesn't stumble upon the gears. He runs to the gears, just like Eric's in the beginning of this episode. So did he know that the gears are up there the entire time? Because the whole point of them going to the basement originally in the beginning of the film was to find the gears to unlock the house. So he ran up there when the darkness was following him, and he didn't just say, oh, there's the switch. He just went right to it like he knew. Yeah. That was ridiculous. Also, we get two sacrifices for people that were afraid of the darkness. That makes no sense. We get Corky Romano, who opens the door, pretty much sacrifices himself to be a part of the darkness. And then we're up in the attic. The darkness is getting ready to kill everybody. And for some reason, Price has a change of heart. He has a heart of gold. He is the hero, and he pushes Allie Lautner and, and, and Ty Diggs out of the way, or Ty Diggs himself out of the way, so he can be infected with the darkness. And then, boom, they're out the window, and they're on the cliff. But before they do that, though, fucking Chris Kattan somehow leaves the darkness to open up the shutter so Ty Diggs can come out. It's Go, just goes Chris Kattan. Oh my god. Who, who's I guess not part of the blob, even though he got sucked in by the blob. Um but yeah, he's not a, part of the blob. A very, very lame separate. death by both him and Stephen Price, where they just get eaten by Galactus basically in the in the house of in the in the attic. It's just kind of you, you know, I get I could just hear the director say, All right, cut, all right, you, you know, you're done. You can go you can walk off stage now, that was it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good enough for who it's for. And then what's not good enough? We'll get it in the the editing room. Is the ending where, you know, we got Allie Lautner and and Tay Tay Diggs or Ty Tay Diggs. Tay Tay Diggs Diggs. Diggs sitting on this ledge. There's no reason for the ledge, but there's a ledge because that ledge is clearly no reason for that ledge to be there. And I want to spell it out real quick. I'm not trying to make it longer, but hear us fans if you have not seen this movie or if it's been a long time. They open up the shutter window. In the attic, they climb out. There is no railing. There is no stairs. It is literally a slab on top of a cliff with no way down. 
So that makes no sense. They're sitting there. There is a half-burnt envelope with $5 million. They giggle and laugh. Camera pans back, and one of them says, how are we going to get down? <laughs> Marilyn Manson credits. Yeah, a lot of uh, sweet dreams. They used the hell out of this song. <laughs> and here's the funny thing. Too late. That song came out in 94. Why play it in 99 makes no sense. That's edgy. But, it's an edgy well, song, but man. Also, what makes no sense is I'm sure you guys probably have known before we prepared for this. And if you don't know, this will be fun. There is a sequel to this movie. Yep. I did discover that just uh, just before we started recording. Return to the haunted mm -hmm. Did you guys did you guys read the plot? I started to, and then I thought it was real dumb, so I stopped. Great. Well, just so the fans know, just when I stopped reading, just like Sarah did, it's the sister of Allie Lautner. Allie Lautner is not in the movie, but it's a different actress, and she kills herself. So then her sister goes back to the house, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because there's an idol involved. I don't know how, but there's an idol. Um, that's that's all I got. Should we watch this? No, no. please don't no. make me watch this. No, I didn't want to watch. I mean, guys, again, before we get our popcorn ratings, I was very upset. I was disappointed because I remember, like I said in the beginning of the episode, that this movie scared me. Like, this movie had scary images. I was scared. Like, oh, this is really scary. I watch it now, and I'm just like, this doesn't, this plot makes no fucking sense. And it's completely taken me out of the movie. Sure. I was really disappointed. Really. So, uh, Eric, let's go with you first, bud. What will be your popcorn Ooh. rating for House on Haunted Hill? Oh, I think I can watch the sequel, I think. On Prime. Anyway, uh, this is a this is a no bag for sure. Uh, absolutely, it uh, it was scary. I think as a kid, just because of the disturbing images. You know, I have yet to be desensitized to what we are watching now, and this was just kind of a weird, I don't know, um, ghost story. Uh, a lot of a lot of actors in it, um, but not much story. I. I understand that this is a remake uh, of the Vincent Price 1959, uh, but it's just as campy as the original. And I, I just don't think uh, it did anything for the genre. It's just a forgettable movie. Uh, it's fun. I don't think it's the worst movie that we've seen in this in this uh, project of ours, in this uh, retrospective. It's, it's thankfully, as... Uh, Sarah and I were watching it. Uh, very short. We were just like, "Oh man, this is actually this is good." You know, I don't I don't mind that this thing is. Uh, hold on, what's the runtime on this thing? One hour thirty three minutes. Perfect. Perfect. It's, a, it's a, too long. That is a date movie for sure. That is go in there. Don't even worry about it. Uh, the deaths were dumb. We didn't get to see much blood and guts. We got to see a lot of uh, corn syrup on the floor and ceiling, and that was about it. We got to see Bridget. <laughs> Neil uh, Bridget Wilson in uh, it kind of like a like a box cut out on the wall, and she had to do you know okay make a face of that you're dead uh, type of thing, and like her body parts were just kind of around. Uh, we got a pointless boob that was in here, so it kind of lost uh, you know some of the the meaning of that, like you said before. I you know it's just uh, an overplayed soundtrack. Another thing too, it's just not really a 
uh, a good movie. It's just fun though because of who's in it. You know, it's it's so bad it's good type of thing, uh, where you can kind of have fun with it and make fun of this movie. So that's why it's not getting a no bag. But this is this is a bad movie. I'm not going to be. I might I might watch this one more time in my life on purpose. Okay, actually, you know what? I'm not going to disagree with you, Eric. I I will probably watch this one time. I have a list of movies that I want to show Riley. This could be on it as, hey, this is like, this is like the C level of fun movies that your dad used Look to watch. Look what I had to deal with level. Yeah, like Look, let's get skip through the 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 senseless tit part. This because is why you no should be reason. thankful for what you have. <laughs> type of movie. Absolutely, uh, this movie angered me. Very much angered me. Uh, for people who are listening that are, are around our age group in the early to mid-30s, you probably grew up seeing this movie. You probably maybe had the same feeling about it as Eric and I did. Because I believe this one probably scared you back then too, Eric, a little bit. I said that a camera scene was, was one that made me stay up right. for a little bit. It, it was right. well done. And now it's, it's, it's mockable. It's laughable. It's it's what is going on? How do we go from screen to this? You know, at this point, uh, very upsetting. Uh, but because of nostalgia, I guess it does kind of hold a little small piece in my heart. I don't know, but yeah, a small bag. So Sarah, I'm looking at your list currently, and only <laughs> one movie. You have given a large bag to this whole series, and that has been Scream. You have given mm-hmm. a small for The Haunting, Urban Legend, Disturbing Behavior, The Faculty. You gave a small. And I know what you did last summer. Wow. Are you going to continue that trend? What is your popcorn rating for A House in Haunted Hill? Oh, gosh. I, I hate <laughs> to continue a trend, but, I mean, come on. There was There was – Nothing good about this movie. Uh, I wouldn't even say that the actors redeemed this this thing. Um, <laughs> I don't know how Jeffrey Rush got talked into doing this. Um, that man does Shakespeare, and he is, has now done House on Haunted Hill. Paycheck hey, uh, movie. This was post-Shine, I think. Sorry to interrupt you. Okay. All right. Uh, it, it's it's a, another small bag. I, I can't say anything. Um, I don't think I would ever want to see this movie again. Um, yeah, no, when it's yeah. when it started and it was sort of that CGI feeling of like the the haunting had I was like okay I know what I'm getting into and this is not going to be a good movie and I was I was right um, I was not angry at this one um, but it was it was just dumb real real dumb well not to blow the wad soon but I'm curious before we let go next time we get together for a retrospectives we're doing an American Wharf in Paris to tease the fan for next month. I just want to know, what is your thought? And I'll come back and ask you that question when we do the episode. But what is your thought of what American War from Paris is going to be like? What do you think it is? Um, my first reaction, there's a scene in the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen where they are chasing uh, Mr. Hyde through the streets of London and he's okay. like hopping from rooftop to rooftop. And that's what it makes me think is an American werewolf in London or in Paris. Uh, there is going to be some idiot werewolf running around Paris, um, which could just be an American, you know, running around in Paris any other day. Uh, so I, I, who knows? 
It could be anything. It could be somebody turning into a werewolf for a million dollars has to survive the night <laughs> in a pretend nice. haunted house. Well, well, Sarah, now America Wolf in Paris is a sequel, and you just said the name of the original. Eric, are you going to show her America Wolf in London to prepare her for I, Paris? I, I had thought about it because you don't necessarily need to watch the sequel or the first one to understand the sequel. They're, they're mm-hmm. you know, they're... Uh, nothing like that, but um, the fr- the first one is kind of dated. The kills are just kind of you know, man, you know, some cut shots at the camera. The one thing that the first one has, and and I think I would still argue this to to date for now for movies that have come out. And Jordan, maybe you can agree with me on this or in, add some flavor to it as well too. That it has probably one of the best werewolf transformations in in movie history. American mm-hmm. Werewolf in London does. Yeah, no, that's what made that movie famous. The movie's actually kind of uh, – American War for London is kind of uh, blah, very dry. But there's a scene where he transforms into a werewolf. Actually, I would say the movie The Howling, Eric, competes with it. Is that uh, uh, Jack Nicholson or is that the one that we did? <laughs> no, that's called – no, no, no. The Howling, which came out in 1980. Uh, Jack Nicholson was in uh, was in Wolf. But anyway, oh, right. Sarah – What's really cool, and I think I think Eric, you should show her this movie, is the guy got bit by a werewolf in the first movie, right? He's an American tourist. He gets bit by a werewolf, and his friend gets killed. He doesn't know he got bit by a werewolf, but he starts a romance with a nurse. So f- predominantly the movie is a romance with a nurse who nursed him back to health by, because he got bit by a dog. Like that's the movie. Like okay. nobody he has no idea. And then the nurse has to go to work. He's just sitting there reading a book and there's no music. There's no sound. And all of a sudden he's reading a book and he just starts screaming in pain for no reason. And he says, I'm burning up screaming. He's burning up and he rips off his clothes until he's butt naked and he starts the transformation. And what makes it so good and why Eric would agree with me on this one is that this came out in the mid-80s, no CG. (laughs) So when his face starts to expand, what they did was they put condoms on his real face and they put the prosthetics over top of it and they put balloon hoses to the other side. So behind him, uh, behind his face, they're squeezing these hoses and these condoms are expanding to make his face expand and, and, and just metallic into this weird face. It just All looks right. it just looks cool. Uh, I, that cell might not be the best. <laughs> no, no, it's great because but, but no, it's just great about how they came up with it. Like, how are we gonna make his face pop? How are we gonna make his face and his nose turn into a snout? These guys came up with condoms to do it. What a great idea! Yeah, it was it was however they did it. Like you said, it was just innovative, and it's it's one of those iconic. This the scene alone will will live on right. through through history. Show her the movie to prepare her for next month when we do American Wolf of Paris so she at least sees what we're getting into. I think I would love to hear her mini mm-hmm. review of that. I would love to hear your mini review of American Wolf in London. I think you'd be very happy. The movie was such a hit that that's what Michael Jackson's thriller is based on. Ooh, ooh, fun. All right, yeah, looking forward to it. All right. Well, thank you so much, everybody, for listening to the most recent episode of Movie Guys Podcast. We went on a little long, but this movie fucking sucks. And we had a lot to say about it. 
But thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week for another awesome episode. Make sure to check us out at MovieGuysPodcast.Pobby.com, on social media, wherever you get your podcasts from. We are on. Thank you again very much, and we'll be back next week for another awesome episode. Have a good night.